0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, 2023 New York Giants training camp is right around the corner, and I am very excited. Welcome to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. This might be our last show, Chris, before training camp commences. How you doing, bro? Yeah, I am doing pretty well.
2: It's weird to think that training camp is right around the corner, considering we've spent most of the last three months thinking about it as being far off in the distance, and then all of a sudden, it's next week.
1: And we're eager to dive into some of these camp battles. We did a show, I believe it was last week, going over the offensive camp battles and just things kind of to pay attention to. And that was before the whole Saquon Barkley contract situation where he has not signed his franchise tag. But we also did a live reaction show on that. If you missed it, you could scroll through the feed and find it. But today we're going to be talking about the defense, Chris. And I think we should probably start at the linebacker position because It wasn't a certainty that Gerard Davis, who is now done for the year with a knee injury, was going to start next to Bobby Okereke. That wasn't certain. We didn't know that for sure. But we figured he was going to get the first shot at it, and it was going to be his job to lose. And it would be either Darian Beavers or Micah McFadden who would take that job from him. But now he is no longer there. And when he was present, Chris, the linebacker position was still very thin. And now without Gerard Davis, there's a pretty big hole, or you can look at it this way, and I think it's more positive to look at it this way, there's an opportunity for one of these young linebackers on the team to step up and play next to Bobby Okereke, and we know how important that is, because not only is he going to factor in whoever wins that job as the second linebacker into base personnel, but it's also going to factor into nickel personnel more than likely, so... Let's dive into the second linebacker position. What are your thoughts, your initial thoughts as we head into training camp now that Gerard Davis is injured?
2: Yeah, I think this has very suddenly become one of the two position battles that we'll talk about. Actually, I would say all three of the position battles we're going to talk about are is going to affect the way the defense plays on a down-to-down basis. Because like like you said, whoever wins this battle is going going to be a starting player, or at least a most downs player. And I think it, the the battle that we have now between Darian Beavers and Micah McFadden, or I suppose an, a third player to be named later because the Giants do have that roster spot to fill, and they could look to the street or you know, see who other teams cut over the course of camp in the preseason at linebacker. But right now, between Beavers and McFadden, they're two kind of different players. They have very different styles. And I know we were both excited for Micah McFadden last year because of his athleticism, the blitzing ability that he brings. He was one of the most prolific blitzers in college football when the Giants drafted him under the radar, but that's true. And then Darian Beavers is a bigger, more physical linebacker. And he kind of had a reputation as a downhill run stuffer, but he was pretty impressive before he tore his ACL last year.
1: Yeah, I was impressed by what we saw just from, I think, the first preseason game with Darian Beavers. I think it was against the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken. And then he got hurt against the Cincinnati Bengals, which was a terrible game for Giants rookies, because that's the same game that came on Thibodeau, ended up getting hurt and missing a couple weeks. But you're right about Micah McFadden. Micah McFadden through essentially, I know we played four seasons in college at Indiana, but if we eliminate his freshman year, just in 2019, 2020, and 2021, this is a play with 91 pressures. That defense was schemed to get this guy into the backfield. And we saw that a little bit. It, was, it wasn't it was used all that often last year just because he ended up getting benched twice. He got benched because of his, what seemed like to me, his... Lack of understanding on what to do in passing situations against the Green Bay Packers in London. I remember there were two specific plays where Xavier McKinney was telling him to be in a certain spot and he didn't push outside. And then Josiah DeGuara caught a pass that went for 12 yards. And then there was another catch to Aaron Jones that was Michael McFadden's responsibility. Next thing you know, he was benched for several weeks, did not see the football field unless it was on special teams. And that was something that sucked. He ended up earning his way back into the lineup and then. Week 18, the Giants signed Gerard Davis, and they're like, you know what, this guy off the Giants practice or off the practice squad, we want to put him in the game next to Jalen Smith. And that's exactly what happened. And it was Gerard Davis that ended up starting for the Giants in the playoffs. And if we highlight what Joe Shane said about Gerard Davis, why they liked Gerard Davis so much and why they brought him back, it was because he was physical. That was the reason, right? We appreciate his physicality and his downhill thumping nature. What player more represents that, Micah McFadden or Darian Beavers? And I think a lot of people who have watched both of these players would say it is Darian Beavers.
2: Yes, certainly. He's got the, the size and the build to be a downhill player, a guy who can come up and fill those gaps, be a force, an enforcer against the run. He's also a very instinctive player. Like that, that stood out in his yeah that new england game yeah his brief time on the field for the giants had also stood out on the field on tape at cincinnati which it was a surprise that he was as, as he was available as late as he was in the 2022 draft there were people who had beavers as a potential third round pick yeah i thought that might have been a little rich but because of his physicality and his instincts There were people who were going there with him, so I wouldn't be at all surprised if he comes back from this ACL and does make a real push for a starting job.
1: Neither would I, and also remember, we we have the pleasure of seeing Wink Martindale do his thing. And it's a very multifaceted type of defense, a lot of different types of fronts. He likes to use different personnel packages. We saw a lot of times where the linebackers were aligned on the edge, which isn't novel in the NFL. But I wanted to bring that up just because Darian Beavers is a player who was recruited out of high school to play edge. That's what he did the first two years at UConn before transferring to Cincinnati. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Darian Beavers in certain sub packages align on the edge, especially with the Giants not necessarily having the strongest edge room. Now, of course, Darian Beavers isn't going to affect the pass, like say Kayvon Thibodeau or Aziz Jolari or maybe even a Jihad Ward, but certain situations on certain shifts that the offense employs before a play. I just wouldn't be surprised to see Darian Beavers man the edge, and he has some chops there. You know, maybe he can catch a tight end off guard, end up getting a sack and making a big play on third down. But we'll have to wait and see if he's able to earn those snaps. Again, he's recovering from an ACL injury as well. I think by all reports, he he's ready to go. It's not going to impede him right now, but we'll have to see exactly what happens. And I want to bring up a couple other linebackers who we should consider. You mentioned that the Giants could go out and sign somebody. I think number one player they could sign is Deion Jones, who they brought in to the, to the facility. Early in April, Chris Rossetti and the Giants pro scouting department have, I'm sure, an emergency list and a short list of players that they're interested in. It's just the cap situation of the Giants <laughs> isn't really too favorable right now. But Miles Jacks, another player, maybe they'll bring back Jalen Smith, which is something that I'm not necessarily against. I want to kind of get your opinion on that. I know a lot of Giant fans are are uh, there's, a, there's a negativity around Jalen Smith, but if he's not the main guy because that's going to be Bobby Okereke. I think Jalen Smith can operate adequately enough to to not make this defense terrible, because even last year, despite the fact that he was the primary linebacker for much of the season... I wouldn't say the defense was terrible. Their run defense was pretty atrocious and Jalen Smith definitely had his hand in that. But I do think if he takes, if you take a little bit of the burden off his shoulders, he can come in, he knows the defense, he fits in well with the locker room. It's not the worst idea in the world. And I can't believe I'm advocating for the giants to possibly explore, bring back Jalen Smith. But here we are right before training camp. Chris, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, th- this is one of the worst times of the year to actually need help to need players to fill out your roster and potentially compete for a starting job. Cause right now all of the rosters, all 32 rosters are at 90 players. So you have the fewest number of players available on the street that there's going to be all year. And if there, if guys are available right now, there's a reason either they're expensive and teams are waiting for their price to come down or, They've got some warts to their game. And I think Jalen Smith is a player. Yeah, I loved him back in Michigan. Like he was one of my favorite players to watch Notre before, Dame right or sorry, Notre Dame. Yeah. that's correct. Sorry. I believe it was a game against Michigan where he got hurt.
1: No, it was oh. Ohio State because wow. Taylor Decker shoved him after a play and he like went forward and all of his weight came down on that knee and he had like nerve damage and not to go on a Jalen Smith tirade but this is somebody who was going to be a top five pick and he felt early second round and he had a couple really good seasons early on with Dallas he just never really developed that I'm sure that the nerve damage in his knee probably hindered his development overall but still like a very promising kid coming out I still think he's only 27 years old I'll I'll double check but let me let me let you finish your point. Sorry if I cut you off.
2: Yeah, no, not at all. I apparently my, my memory is going bad. You know, I must be getting old over here or something. But yeah, I, I really like Jalen Smith before that injury. Now I kind of feel the same way about him that I did Mark Herzlick when he was with the Giants, where he was a fantastic linebacker until he had to deal with cancer. And then he had that rod in his leg and he was still a, a usable player. He was still a useful player, albeit that was pretty much only on special teams. And if he was on the field for you, yeah, that was less than ideal. And I could see the giants bringing Jalen Smith in, seeing how he's doing, seeing if he could be one of their best options at linebacker, or, or at least an option to help fill out the depth chart and give these young guys some competition. Because also they do have to have enough linebackers to fill out that depth chart and be able to practice effectively. You know, things could kind of snowball on them if they only have two available, three available linebackers to fill out three or four squads for practices. You know, those reps can add up those opportunity for injury can add up. So, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them bring in another linebacker. And like you said, Jalen Smith, he shouldn't be expensive. And he does know the defense. He does know the locker room. So that is something to consider. Although I, for our purposes here, I do want to see the battle for a starting job be between Darian Beavers and Mike
1: McFadden. And it would be excellent if they could seize that opportunity, Darian Beavers and Micah McFadden, because the Giants, the two day three picks, if you start finding capable starters on day three of the draft, that's when your team can really be competitive. And that's what you start to see with a lot of NFL teams is they just start drafting well on, on day three. I feel like since I've covered the Giants, since I've followed the Giants, other than when I was in high school, Chris. The giants have not been good on day three. They have not found key contributors. I think you can make the argument Julian love or you can easily make the argument Julian love and Darius Slayton kind of buck that a little bit. But to circle back one second to Jalen Smith, he is 29 years old. He's not 27 years old. So I wanted to make that correction. And I also think, man, like he wasn't somebody who missed a lot of tackles last year. Looking at his pro football focus, he only missed seven tackles, which was a 6.1% rate. If you go back to the previous season, which he was a bit player, but still played 329 snaps, he missed one tackle. Before that, his missed tackle rate was 7.3% in 2020, 6.3% in 2019, 9% in 2018, and then 2017, it was 9.8%. So he's never missed over 10% of tackles. My issue with him, though, is the mental side of things and just positioning himself and anticipating. And that's always kind of been his problem, at least with the New York giants, since I've been covering them. And I also think, and I've said this uh, prior, but I'll, I'll bring it up again. It looks like he's drank six or seven red bulls before every game. Cause he's just hopping around like crazy. Like he's the Easter bunny out there. And I think <laughs> if he calms himself down a little bit, maybe he could process a little bit faster, but regardless of the fact, this isn't a Jalen Smith podcast. It's just one option for the giants. Before we go to break, I want to bring up Two more guys that we're not going to talk much about their their skill set or, or what they did in college just because we did that on the UDFA show. But I think there's a golden opportunity. No, there is a golden opportunity for Troy Brown. And Deontay Johnson, two linebackers who are UDFAs, undrafted guys this season by the New York Giants. Deontay Johnson out of Toledo and Troy Brown out of Ole Miss, formerly of Central Michigan. Troy Brown a little bit smaller, a little bit more athletic. Deontay Johnson a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical. And you don't see this too often. I I, I mean, you don't see it too often in terms of there's a starting position. You have two guys who are on the roster who are now veterans, even though they're second-year players, who... They're not certainty to they're not certain to win that job, right? And then you have two more linebackers on the roster who you know aren't going to win the job in Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin, because they're special teams guys. And now you have two UDFAs who, if they have really good camps, Chris, they could win that job. Like it's within their grasp. And you don't see a lot of UDFAs kind of come in and actually seize that type of that type of moment and that type of opportunity, right? Like you see like the Tom and Foxes who earn like A role where you get 300 snaps, 350 snaps, which is very good for UDFA, but possible starter. I mean, you look at Deontay Johnson and Troy Brown right now, Chris, both of those guys will be competing with each other, but if they can outperform Micah McFadden, who had issues last year, Darren Beavers coming off of an injury, they might win a starting job, which is insane to think about.
2: It is. I think, well... I don't think it's insane to think about. I think it, it certainly is within the realm of possibility. I think more realistically, they are, as you said, competing with each other, and they're also competing with Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin to be that kind of extreme depth, uh, special team player. You know, I think Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, they might have had 10 defensive snaps put together last year. And I think that's the role that it was six. <laughs> Yeah, that those UDFAs are really fighting for. If one of them can come out of nowhere and win a starting job, that would be kind of amazing. It would also, I think, say some things about Darian Beavers and Mike McFadden. And hopefully it would be because either one of those guys the two UDFAs had just a phenomenal camp and preseason and really earned the job and not that Beavers or McFadden or both of them just just don't got it
1: we're going to get into the secondary here in a little bit but first we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data
1: rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSE. Chris, let's discuss the slot corner position. The favorite on paper, just looking at the depth chart, would be Darnay Holmes, a fourth round pick in the 2020 draft. I would say a, a very solid pound for pound player operating between the line of scrimmage and the five yard line down the field not as much gets grabby has had some bad tape but i find his situation so so uh, just crucial in terms of him because the giants can release him and save 2.7 million on the cap which is very necessary for finding free agents when injuries happen to affect your team, which we're already seeing with Gerard Davis. The Giants are going to more than likely pursue another linebacker so they don't have to rely on two UDFAs to possibly start. That could happen, but you need cap space to do so, and the Giants are restricted in that manner, and they can release Darnay Holmes, similar to what they could have done last year with Darius Slayton, but he took the pay cut, and saved $2.7 million on the cap with, like, I think, a $100,000 dead cap hit, so you're talking about big savings there, and the Giants also. Drafted Cordell Flott last year in the third round who maybe they expect to play the slot. You have Trey Hawkins who you got in the sixth round, very physical player. He was an outside corner, but maybe he can play the slot. Aaron Robinson is still on this roster who was a slot cornerback at UCF. So what are your opinions of this Darnay Holmes situation? Does he need a ball out of his mind in training camp to earn this roster spot? Is he doomed just because of that cap situation? Do you think the Giants will approach him and say, take a pay cut and we still want you on this team. We respect you. We like your skill set. We like what you provide for us, but we can't pay you this much money because of the incentives that were in your contract. What's your feel on this situation?
2: Yeah, I think it is pretty similar to the Darius Slayton situation from a year ago where he needs to prove that he is more valuable than he is paid to be. Yeah, he needs to provide more than was it 2.7 million dollars worth of value to the Giants because yeah, teams need that rainy day fund. Uh the other day ESPN released their future power rankings. Basically, how the te- how the 32 teams are positioned for not just this year but the coming years. And Lewis Riddick pointed out the injury potential with Darren Waller, with Paris Campbell. Uh, you certainly could throw Sterling Shepard in that group as well. And the Giants really are relying on a lot of players at a lot of different positions that have recent and fairly significant injury histories. And if a guy gets hurt, you need to have cap space available to sign a replacement for him. You, you need to have your 53 man roster. You need to be able to field 45 players on game day. And that costs money. Unfortunately, injured players still count against the salary cap and Darnay Holmes, I think needs to prove that not only is he the best option at slot corner, but that he is, better enough than the rest of the competition that it isn't a close call where maybe Cordell Flott, it, he doesn't have the physicality that Darnay Holmes brings, but it's close enough that Cordell Flott plus the salary cap savings is worth more or are more valuable than Darnay Holmes. Now last year, Holmes, he was, he was a splash player. He was a highlight real player in training camp in the preseason he was generating turnovers pretty much every single practice he would have a highlight real play of one one form or another but then like you said last year during the games when he would have to get in a receiver's hip pocket and run down the field he was grabbing almost every single play And there were too many times where he would get flagged for pass interference for holding for anything like that. And the giants defense was hurt by it. And if you have a player who is relatively expensive and hurting you, then that's also kind of an easy decision for the coaching staff to make. Now in the wake of the Saquon Barkley situation, I do have to wonder if the team even would approach Darnay Holmes for a pay cut. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about them losing the locker room, but everybody in the locker room loves Saquon, and they can't feel great about the team, about the two sides being as close as they were and failing to get something done, and then have the team go around to another player who's been in the locker room, who's been a giant for... A long time at least compared to a lot of the other players and say okay yeah we're, we're gonna need you to play for the vet minimum we we need that we need that money back yeah that that wouldn't go over well I don't think
1: it's a business and they're it professionals they they, they they should know that at this point and I think you got to do what's best for your team in terms of protecting yourself against injury I would hope that that wouldn't affect I mean we're all humans they're all humans and I'm sure maybe it would not be received, overly well for all the reasons that you detailed. But at the same time, I do think that they would understand. Hey, this is a business, and and two point seven million dollars is kind of a lot of money for for a player that you might not re sign to another contract. I mean, Darnay Holmes is only twenty five years old right now, and like I said, he he has some solid tape. But again, this is somebody who's penalized fifteen times throughout his career, nine times last season. He did have six PBUs. I like him. I just think it's a situation where the Giants are going to ask him to take a pay cut. I I don't think he's important enough to them with all the other options that they have behind him at the cornerback position, the Cordell Flots, the Aaron Robinsons of the world, but also at the safety position, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit in Nick McLeod and Bobby McCain. So for that reason, I think the Giants will more than likely say, hey, you want to take a pay cut if you're going to make this team, unless an injury happens behind him to Cordell Flott or something like that, or Aaron Robinson isn't up to speed the play, what have you. But I I think it's going to be one of the more interesting storylines to cover as we transition into training camp and all throughout training camp. You're right, man. I remember Darnay Holmes' name popping up all the time last year in training camp. If he continues to ball out, it could make that decision to possibly ask him to have a pay cut or to release him that much more difficult on Joe Shane. But speaking of Nick McLeod, Bobby Bobby McCain, two players who can operate in the slot. We've seen that throughout their careers. Those would probably be the two favorites to start alongside Xavier McKinney. If there are only two starting safeties out there, we know Wink Martindale likes to use three safety sets. We know he interchanges his pieces, but I also want to throw Dane Belton in there, who a lot of people are writing off, dealt with the clavicle injury last year. He said it on a podcast this summer that he re-injured the clavicle, and that was one reason why his snaps were dialed back after the Detroit Lions game. What's your opinion on the second starting safety spot with Nick McLeod, Bobby McCain, and Dane Belton? How do you think Wink Martindale is going to approach that issue? I don't know if issue is the right way to term it because it's not an issue, but that situation.
2: Yeah, I I am honestly not sure how that's going to play out because Nick McLeod is kind of an X factor at this point. Yeah, He came on came on the scene in the middle of last year. He really played like a nickel position, you know, some slot corner, some kind of big nickel, you know, almost a safety, almost a third safety type role. And he played well. He was surprisingly physical coming downhill because you normally don't expect a cornerback to be as physical as McLeod was. And he was a really pleasant surprise, but that's a little bit of a a little bit of a small sample size, even though he played quite a bit for the giants as they just shuffled and reshuffled the secondary just to deal with injury and get through the year. But now he's moving to safety full-time or at least seems to be. And he was running with the ones through OTAs and mini camp. But was that just the giants looking to see what worked, what doesn't work? You know, can this, Kid, young man, actually be a starting safety for us because Bobby McCain, he is a veteran. Yeah, you know, he has that similar path that Julian Love had as a cornerback turned safety. That Nick Cloud has as a cornerback turned safety. The Giants obviously like that skill set, but Bobby McCain has eighty-seven starts between his time at Miami and then at Washington, so he has seen it before. He's seen a lot of NFL offenses. He's not going to be surprised. He might not be perfect, but he at least he has seen a lot more of the pro game than Nick McLeod has. So uh, I'm really not sure which way this will go. Part of me wonders if Wink Martindale might just might not look at a platoon because Dane Belton, Nick McLeod, and Bobby McCain all have different skill sets at safety. McLeod is probably the best run defender of the three Bobby McCain. He is, he's got, he's got some ball hawk to him. He's had I believe, 44 passes, defensed and 11 interceptions in his time in the NFL. But then Dane Belton, he's another player like Micah McFadden, who was a pretty prolific blitzer in college. And we know Wink Martindale loves to blitz. So if Dane Belton doesn't come out of, I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but is able to put his injuries be- behind him and <clears throat> win that starting job outright, despite people not really talking about him. We could see these guys rotated on and off the field, depending on the opponent, depending on the situation, the field position, the down and distance, all of those sorts of factors.
1: I find Dane Belton and Bobby McCain's skill set a little bit more similar. Than let's say a Nick McLeod and both of their skill sets. And this is no knock on Nick McLeod. This is just after reviewing McCain and Belton's tape, Belton's tape, going back to his time at Iowa. They're very sneaky in coverage, specifically on match type of coverages and in zone coverage, selling an action going in one direction to undercut a route that they know is going to be coming behind them. And that results typically in interceptions, Chris. And the Giants were last in interceptions last year, tied with the Raiders. They only had six, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And I think Julian Love had the most interceptions on the team with two. I think he was probably maybe tied with somebody else. But he had two interceptions. He's no longer here. The Giants have to force turnovers if they're bringing the blitz as much and making the quarterback as uncomfortable as they do in a Wink Martindale defense. And I think Dane Belton and Bobby McCain can both help that. But Nick McCloud, I agree. I think he's the best run defender of the three. So I think we're going to see that rotation of players. And for what it's worth... Bobby McCain, right now, without the quarterbacks ranked, is the tenth best New York Giant with a seventy-seven grade in Madden twenty-four. How does that make you feel, Chris? (laughs)
2: Uh, That's kind of weird. But the the Giants also had a lot of seventy-sevens, from what I remember. That was a that was a very popular grade for the Giants. Which I, when you see that, a lot of players ranked that similarly. And I say this with respect to a lot of things. madden obviously uh power rankings uh, scouting grades that kind of says to me you're you're not exactly sure about <laughs> that player or the group of players and you're kind of hedging your bets a little bit so that could be the madden people saying you know maybe the the giants surprised us last year maybe they're better than we thought they are but also you know, maybe they just had a had more breaks than maybe some other players, some other teams, and they might regress. But, yeah, it, it is kind of weird to think that Bobby McCain, a guy who I think when the Giants signed him, a lot of people said, who? Wait, I don't even remember him on Washington's defense, even though he, again, started 87 games as a pro. He is,
1: what'd you say, the Giants'
2: 10th best player or tied for their 10th best player?
1: He's tied for the tenth with Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, and Paris Campbell. All three of those wide receivers are also ranked seventy-seven. We're not turning this into a Madden podcast, but then guys like Azizul Galarie are ranked like seventy-six. You have some guys who are really poorly ranked in this game, and then others who are ranked a little bit higher. I think Daniel Bellinger being a seventy is a little bit rude at the same time, but they're—it's Madden. They're not going to get everything yeah. perfect. No, and and those All scores. Right, Chris, you have anything adjusted. else? Yes, Raheem nunez Rochez at 69 is also pretty wild just because he is a very good run defender. I get it. He doesn't offer much as a pass rusher, but you put him at the nose, the one, the two wide, really anywhere all the way over to the four technique, and he's going to be effective for you, and I'm sure we're going to see that this season. But Chris, anything else before we get out of here?
2: No, we should probably get out of here before this does turn into a complete Madden podcast. (laughs)
1: Nobody wants that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, leave a comment on iTunes. I see that there just hasn't been any comments recently. Tell me I suck. I don't care. Just give us five stars. That would be excellent. Also, head on over to BigBlueView.com. Check out all of our written content. Thanks, everyone. Have a lovely day.
0: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of.